Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Believe is brought to you by Cryptid Coffee Co. Use promo code BELIEVE on checkout for 10% off their Angry Yowie Coffee Blend. Head over to cryptid.com.au to check them out. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. To tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Cade Moyer, and you are listening to the Believe Paranormal and UFO Podcast. If you have had an encounter and would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen and head on over to our website, believepod.com, and consider becoming a member to get bonus episodes and video content. Tonight, I'm joined by Ben, and Ben is a returning guest on the podcast uh, for reasons of technical difficulties or what we actually are going to be talking about tonight, because this is a very, very unique uh, haunting slash situation that Ben has found himself in. Uh, He talks about this creature known as the Ox Monster. So, uh, Ben, welcome back to the show. Uh, G'day, Cade. Good to uh, talk to you again. Yeah, mate, it is uh, some very unique circumstances to uh, to say the least, because not a lot of files get uh, corrupted or go funny, but this one did, and uh, I I feel like it might be a little bit too much of a coincidence for that to happen, uh, especially considering the uh, the the content that we spoke about. So, Essentially, Ben, this ox monster is something that has been uh, with you for all your life, and the, and the name you'll you'll explain that. But can you tell me how you got introduced to this this entity, and really walk us through everything that happened in that situation? Uh, yeah, sure, mate. Um, well, I suppose to put things into context. So I'm in uh, the wrong side of thirty five now, and when I was about. I'd say about 18, um, I was in the Army Reserve and just waiting to go off to the regular Army. And uh, me and a few of my mates were off in an uh, Army training area um, where we came across what we believed at the stage at, before we had any incidents with it. 
what we believe to be a sort of haunted house. And uh, we sort of had a uh, few incidents uh, with with something within that house. Then I ended up following uh, myself from uh, one side of the country to the other and one of my very good mates also from one side of the country to the other side. Um, we both sort of started having experiences. He's having experiences over in uh, Wagga and then Townsville and also having experiences uh, in Darwin. Yeah, so this thing has really kind of attached itself to to you and your mate and potentially the, I guess, the whole crew of people that went into this house. So I know what happened in this house was quite intense. So are you able to take us back to the moment when you first kind of encountered this this entity and walk us through what happened? Because it, it really, it truly is one of the most mind-blowing experiences that I've ever heard. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a pretty crazy story. Um, whenever I used, like, you know, told it many sort of times and literally now I can sort of tell it and the uh, hairs on my arms don't all stand up. But uh, for a very long time, um, every time I'd tell this story, it would give everyone the chills and, and you know, it would really freak me out as well. Um, so, yeah, like as I said, uh, so this is in the sort of early early 2000s. Um, me and my mates are away with the army. Um, we're uh, at a training area um, where we are basically we're playing as the enemy party. Um, so our job is to be at certain places, certain times to ambush and you know, start a firefight with uh, another group so they can uh, take turns commanding and attack and sort of doing all that sort of stuff uh, on a promotion course to, to be a corporal. Um, because of what uh, the nature of what our duties were while we were doing that, when we weren't actually on the task, we were sort of, sort of left alone. Um, and the place they had us uh, sort of uh, set up as, for our little camp was you know, only a couple of hundred, bit. 100, maybe 200 metres away from this old farmhouse. It's old farmhouse. house. Um, so one afternoon, uh, one of my really good mates was there with me. We were sort of sitting there talking crap and smoking, smoking a couple of durries and um, it's sort of late summer afternoon and my mate goes to me, hey man, have you ever like felt like Oxley House is staring at you? And I'm like, yeah, man, that place really, really, really gives me the creeps. So, because of the training area we use quite regularly, you know, we, we, we'd seen this place quite a few times and sort of been around it, but it was just this, this place that you just wanted to give a wide berth to. It just, it just was creepy. Anyway, we're a bit bored. We don't have a lot going on that afternoon. So he's like, oh, we should go over there and have a look at it. You know, have a look in there. And I'm like, and I'm just like getting this, this voice in the back of my head saying, nope, stay away from there. Do not go near it. Anyway, my mate, you know, us being sort of young blokes, full of testosterone and not wanting to look weak in front of each other sort of thing, mate sort of eggs me into uh, coming over to Oxley House to have a little bit of a snoop around and see what we can see. So we rock up there. And we well, sorry, walk across there. It's not far. As I said, only 100, 200 metres away. And uh, we get to the front door, and it's all boarded up, and you can't go through the front door. Um, and just looking at this house, you're looking at a house, you know, that's like looks like it's from, you know, the 1800s. Like, it is not a new house. It's not even, you know, it, it's much more than, you know, seems much more than 100 years sort of old sort of thing. Now, yeah, the front door's all boarded up, so we walk around the side of it, 
And if you think of a house that's you know, in a sort of shape of a square, it's gone around, gone around one side, gone to the other side, and there's a door there, and that sort of uh, boarded up or something. And then if you think of a house with a square, then it's got like a little square sort of next to it on uh, one, of the, one of the corners. Anyway, this attachment sort of area, um, it has a door that's just wide open. So before I realise it, yes, I'm getting all the alarm bells going off, you know, yeah, sixth sense telling me to stay away from it, stay away from it, stay away from it. Um, but before I know it, well, I'm walking down the hallway and uh, my mate's sort of right behind me. Um, get down through this hallway, you know, there's doors to our left and right. I don't remember much about them. And this, this hallway sort of opens up into a large room, which I sort of understood, well, guess at some stage it used to be a kitchen. And immediately, bang, left corner, straight in front of me, I see this black figure, just this mass. And it's there for a second or two, and then it's disappeared. And I sort of shuddered back, and without saying any words to my mate, he's like, God, yeah, I saw that too, man. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, you know, it's one of those things, did I just see that? And, yeah, without me even vocalising it, just my movement, he's like, yeah, I saw that too. Now, the alarm bells are going absolutely crazy. My spidey senses are going nuts telling me just, Get out of there. But, um, you know, the uh, macho, I'm a, I'm a bloke, I'm a, I'm a soldier, I'm tough, is uh, sort of keeping me there. You know, I don't want to show any weakness. And um, so we walk through the threshold of that doorway into the kitchen area. And to my right, I can see there is another wide open room, which is, a, uh, I suppose, like a lounge room area. You can see a stone fireplace in there. And you can tell that there used to be a wall there, but then the wall's like, you know, I'm not sure whether it's been knocked down or... At some stage, there was two separate rooms. So it's just late, late in the year, um, you know, November-ish, I reckon late November, and it's a summer afternoon, you know, it's tin roof. It's, 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 it's got the same temperature inside as the ambient temperature outside, which is, you know, quite warm. I uh, take a step through the non-existent wall now into the other room, um, the lounge room sort of area with the stone fireplace, uh, which we end up nicknaming the evil room. And as soon as I've crossed the threshold of that, what was a wall, it is ice cold. Like the temperature has like, feels like it's dropped like 20, 30 degrees. And it's, for all intensive purposes, it's the same area. There's no reason why the temperature should drop between those two areas because they basically are just the one big area. I stand, I stand in that room um, and it seems like an eternity, but it was only a couple of seconds and it was just this insane feeling of just, you know, you go into a room and you can feel it's crowded, you can just feel energy of... of people, whatever, and, um, you know, as opposed to walking into an uh, empty room. And it, it just, it felt crowded. And I don't remember, I never looked up, but for some reason just felt like the ceiling was, like, really, really high above me. Like, you know, my imagination, you know, makes me think there's rafters and, um, you know, spider webs and stuff like that. But um, there was, yeah, it, it seemed like it was quite a big room. Now, this will make sense later on. I stand there 
and I cannot handle that feeling and I jumped out, I just had to jump out, I just couldn't handle it. My mate with me, um, he's uh, got a bit of a Celtic background, he's uh, and he's, you know, look, we've, we've talked, we'd talked about sort of stuff before, but we'd never really had a situation like what we're about to go into. He goes and stands in there and he stands there for a few seconds later after me and then he couldn't handle the feeling of that either. And I can't remember what spurred me, but I got I got really spooked. I was like, okay, we've got to get out of here. And I just ran. And I just ran straight down that hallway we come out. Now, still, you know, it's afternoon, sort of just before the sun's setting. So, you know, there's still daylight. You can see outside sort of thing. But for some reason in my panic, instead of me just running straight down this straight hallway outside, I've taken a left turn or a right turn and I've just run into one of these rooms off to the side and I'm covered in spiderwebs and I'm screaming and I'm freaking out. Anyway, my mate's let, followed me and he's grabbed me and he's pulled me out through the door because um, I'm I'm so scared, like, you know, I'm almost catatonic, you know, petrified and petrified. And then you hear all this, this almighty sort of roar, like this big guttural sort of scream coming out it was so loud and so big and then all this it sound like all this furniture was getting upended and thrown around the rooms and stuff behind us and we both sort of like just just looked at each other and legged it back to where the rest of the um, team was sort of set up and we run back there and you know we're panting and we're, you know, we're white as ghosts and we're petrified and uh, we get back to where the other blokes are so it's really none of or I'd say four to six other guys there. And um, they sort of giving us, like, what the hell's happened to you guys? What the hell? What's going on? And so we start telling them sort of what's happened. And, you know, everyone's just, <laughs> whatever, dickheads, you know, just having a laugh and just like, yeah, whatever, nice story, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, um, I've got to say, like, we're, we're away on doing army training. So we're all sober. You know, no one's doing drugs. No one's drinking. Like, we're, we're starting cold sober. But, like, we're, like, you know, not making any sense with the story. We're trying to tell these guys to have an experience what we've just gone through. And, um, yeah, that was sort of day one, and it continued. So you were in this this house, and from what you're saying there, it almost sounds like reality is changing for you while you're in there because, you know, you say you walk in and you see a wall there, but then the wall's gone. And things things just don't feel like they're they're right. Is is that right to assume? Yeah. So think of it. Uh, so think of the temperature drop like this. So if you've got like I, I live up uh, up north, so we have air conditioners. So if you've got all the aircons turned off in your house, and you got one aircon turned in one room, and you got the door closed, and you walk in from the sort of ambient temperature of what it is outside. And then you open a door and you walk into this room where the aircon's pumping. You know, you just get temperature drop just like that. And that's all we experienced in there. But obviously there's no air conditioners and the wall's gone. So there's no reason why this one room would have any different temperature to what it's next to. Because basically it is just one big room now. But at some, you know, it used to be two separate rooms. But there's no... There's nothing that can make any sense for that temperature drop. And it was just so noticeable. It was just so in your face. Like, you know, you hear, so the key stories, you know, where people experience, you know, ghosts and stuff like that. And they feel that temperature drop. 
you know, when the spirits are around or something like that. Like, it was like that, but it was like times a thousand. It wasn't just a little bit. It was it was going from summer into, I've been over to Canada and done training in Canada and in the Arctic, and it was like that sort of temperature. It was just ice cold. You know, it made your blood cold. That would have been quite a, a paradigm in changing experience because, you know, you've, you've walked into this house and you've, you saw something like you saw some type of figure in a, in a black mass. And then, you know, you have this feeling of instant temperature change. Like the whole, the whole thing is just not normal for you. That really, really would have been a, a moment of what the hell is going on? Yeah. So like the places like, before I even went in, I was like, this place is creepy. This place gives me the creeps. But once that happened, I was like, this is just, this is so much more than that. This is not just a, a creepy place. This is evil. So you go back to the to all the boys back at camp and they, they basically just laugh at you. You got a bunch of guys, you know, like just everyone sort of, you know, a, a, like we're all just young, you know, we're just really teenagers, but we're all pretending that we're sort of, tough men sort of thing. So you don't show any weakness around each other. You sort of, everyone sort of jeez each other up and, you know, there's lots of ribbing and lots of, uh, you know, sort of horseplay and, you know, take, taking the piss out of each other sort of thing. And then me and my mate come back with this bizarre story. The guys are just like, <laughs> you guys are nuts. You know, you guys are just absolute, you know, talking crap. And um, we had this new guy in our, you know, or you know, reasonably new guy in our team. He's, he's a bit, he's a bit nerdy. He was a lovely guy, a lovely, intelligent guy, but he was just a bit more on the nerdy sort of side. And for some reason, he decided that the way to sort of make it, you know, win his way into the team and being one of the boys was to uh, and show shows bravery and bravado. He's decided I'm going to go sleep in that house. Oh no! And yeah, <laughs> and. So just I'm straight up going, nah, bro, stay away, don't do it. It's bad, it's evil, it's something really wrong there. Just don't go near it, just don't do it. Rah, rah. But the more I'm telling him about not to do it, he's like thinking that this is all just some bullcrap story we've made out to make him be a wimp. And so the more I'm telling him stay away, I think it's the more determined it's making him to go inside there. So... Anyway, the conversation, you know, we've gone for the evening, nothing really, you know, nothing out of the ordinary sort of happens at night. Next day, we go off and, you know, do, do what we have to do during the day. We come back in the afternoon. And, um, you know, this, this, the guy I was telling you about has decided, yep, I'm going to go sleep in there that night. So I've tried all I can to persuade him, you know, dissuade him from going in there. And, um, yeah, it's just made him more and more determined to do it. So... Anyway, yeah, they, um, you know, it's, it's four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Well, you know, actually, it's probably like, you know, more five, six o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so he's got his stuff together and, um, they go heading over to the house. And I'm just like, I'm not coming. I'm staying the hell away from here from that. <laughs> you guys just go do whatever. But I'm telling you, don't go there. But whatever you do, it's got nothing to do with me. I'm out. This is not me. No, not good. Bad, bad juju. Anyway. They go to the house and um and I'm you know, he hear a bit of yelling at my mate that I was there on the first night with. He's like 
you have to come over and have a look at this. I'm like, no, nah, not coming over, stay away. No, nah, not coming. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, you really just, you don't come in. Just come in, come around here and look in the hallway. And eventually I reluctantly head, head over there and look down the hallway. I'm like, what, what is it? I look down the hallway. So that hallway that I ran down in a full panic is missing floorboards all through it like they're rotten. You literally have to like jump from one part to the other to the other to the other to make your way up actually through that hallway. And then there's a gap between where the floorboards would be and the actual ground, you know, which is you know, um, yeah, maybe close to a metre meter tall or something, metre high sort of thing. So I know for a fact there's no way, especially in my blind panic, that I could have run down that hallway. It doesn't make sense. Like, there's no way I physically could have done it without, you know, really hurting myself, without falling through, because there's not much floor there. Like, you literally, it's it's completely rotten. It's, yeah, it's gone. So I'm like, oh, and he's like, yeah, my mate, for the first night, it's like, yeah, that's not a, that's not at all. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, remember the evil room? Did it feel to you like that Like had a massive high ceiling? And I was like, yeah, yeah. It felt like, you know, if I looked up, I'd probably like see some body hanging, you know, front rafters, like some medieval sort of looking stuff. And he's like, yeah, man, that ceiling is like so low that my hair, you know, basically rubs against the ceiling. He's like, it's this tiny little room with this stone fireplace in it. And I'm like, that is really, really weird. And he's like, yeah, and there's a bed in there that, and that's what we must have heard being thrown around sort of thing. But I swear it wasn't there, like this old cast iron bed, but I swear it wasn't there when we went, when me and him walked in there. So this house is just not making any sense, you know, like literally like I'm looking at it, I'm seeing the other hallway. I didn't go into the other room because I'm like, no, I'm not crossing the threshold and going back in there. But it is just this different thing. And, like, again, I'm happy to accept, like, ghost, supernatural, weird sort of stuff. But I can't ex- even begin to think of anything that can explain the, the change in this house. Like, it literally is physically different than it was the day before. That is an absolute head spin because I was I was thinking that, you know, weird stuff was going on, but this is an absolute next level. Like, this house is is playing tricks on you to the point that it's it's changing the genuine shape and reality of what you are experiencing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just so weird. So, like, the day before we went up there and, you know, I went to that front door and it's all boarded up and, you know, it's got this feeling like, stay away, don't go in. You know, like, the house is telling you stay away. And we went around to to the side of it and there's a door that wouldn't you know it was boarded up and we couldn't go through and then this next door which has a hallway and it's just wide open it's like come in it was just uh, literally the feeling that you were getting like it was like I I didn't have anything to put it in context with but it like it was supernatural from the start of it like just going near it you could feel the energy of this thing like of this house this place like i don't know man it's like some bizarre portal or something but it is whatever it is it was like really really powerful and it could yeah it changed reality around us the other guys that went there the next day with you 
Do they perceive the house the same way you did in that exact same moment? Um, I don't know because I didn't have any context to put it in from the night before because I hadn't really had anything to do with that. Yeah, but um, did, did they did they see like the hallway was all rooted? Did they see? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they just thought that's how it was. Yeah, wow. So like, it's they, like I think what we saw that second night was actually how the house really physically is. But the night before, it was it was different. It was like literally me and my mate for the first night literally like went into something different. What do you think happened? Do you think you went into like a and I don't want to sound too wooey, but like, do you think you went into like a time like a time slip? Like you were in that house in a different period of time, or you know, do you think you're like in a in a like a parallel universe version of what that house was. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Uh, like, I, it's, it's really hard to sort of put it into words, but I think whatever it is, it is so powerful. Like, it's not just, you know, your normal ghost that walks up and down a hallway and, you know, opens a door every once in a while sort of thing, sort of haunting. Like, this thing, like, I reckon that house, that place, is some sort of, like, powerful portal um, to to something else that we, us humans on here on Earth, that you know, the reality we perceive, we we can't understand that. Like I, I just all I know is it was it was different. It was so different. And if I hadn't have experienced it, I wouldn't believe it. You know, like and it's uh, it's so annoying because I can't put it into words and go, oh, actually, yeah, I think it was this. Um, like I just. I know when, whether there's ley lines under there or, you know, whatever it is, but it is just a powerful place. And I think because of where it is in such a, you know, you think of a military training area, so people don't go there. You know, like it's blocked off. It's left there. And the army, when they go there, they don't really want to, no one really goes near their house anyway. So if you're like something that just wants to sit there and brood and, be dark and left alone, it's kind of yeah, sort of perfect place to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, the the thing is like I don't I don't want to say like, you know, the army's bad or anything like that, but you know, the army has a lot of um connections to, you know, war and, and things like that, you know, like not not overly pleasant yeah, things I, that I people want to it, it there is some sort of yeah, it, it there is a sort of dark darkness or energy that is sort of 
attached to that sort of stuff. You know, you're training, training guys to fight and kill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's that's not to knock on it. It's just that's the, the yeah, byproduct of that situation. Yeah. So you go back there, your 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 mind's just probably doing backflips oh, on itself at I'm this like, point. And, like, I think we're, like, trying to explain to the others, like, that this is different than the night before. And no one's sort of comprehending or listening, you know, like, no one – because they're, they're just saying, oh, yeah, we've got to jump here, we've got to jump there. You know, like, they're not really taking it on. Just sort of, like, it's all part of this made of made up to freak everyone out. So not, none of them are really taken seriously. But me and my mate are. And we're both going, holy crap. But anyway, the other guy has made the decision that, yes, he's going into the house. So they've gone in with him and they've um, set him up with, um his bivy bag, his sleeping bag, and they've set it up next to the stone fireplace. They've cracked a few silome sticks, so, you know, like those glow sticks you have at nightclubs and little kids run around with and that. So cracked them around the place in a few places, you know, so there's a bit of light for him. And um, we gave him, like, a little handheld radio, and we had one. So we've got our non-army radios, but if we transmit anything on them, then anyone on the radio net can hear what we're saying. So we used to carry our own little internal, you know, comms or we used to call jack comms and, you know, little crappy two-way radios you you get from uh, Jayco or something. And uh, we've given him one and we've got one. Anyway, all the guys come back out of the house, I left him in there and we've gone back to where we were sort of set up for the evening and, um, you know, sun starts setting and um, sort of just sitting around, just talking and nothing, doing nothing too exciting. And... We sort of like because me and my other me and my mate were taking this quite seriously, as in like we sort of like made sure that none of us were actually stuffing with the guy inside, like because um, I just thought it was really really bad. That same time, my mate from the first night, he's had a completely different reaction. So he's gone up and he's got these two pieces of like um, you know, gum tree, uh, two pieces of gum tree sort of sticks, and he's tied them together with a hoochie cord and um, made this big crucifix out of them. He's got, all, he's got out his bayonet and he's carved all these sort of, been carving all these Celtic symbols all over all over this big crucifix. And it's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, getting ready to do battle. <laughs> what the hell? But like, he was like, he was like, you know, he was just, he was on task. He was like, yep, I'm getting ready. You know, he knew something was going to go down. Anyway, um, after, you know, he's maybe been, the other bloke's been in there for 30 minutes or an hour or something, and he comes out of the radio and he's like, oh, not funny, guys, I can hear you. It's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I can fucking, I can hear you, mate. Like, I can hear you guys stuffing around. I, I can see, I saw you. He's like, hey, man, none of us are there. We're not doing anything. We're not stuffing with you. Yeah, whatever, real funny, guys. Bullshit, you know, like, if I'm doing this, you can't stuff with me. And we're like, yeah, man, we're not stuffing with you. And anyway, he's sort of, angry and disgruntled on the other side of the radio. But um, while that's happening, my other mate is there carving this cross and making, you know, making these Celtic symbols more intricate and sort of thing. And he's now made himself like a bit of a cape out of uh, out of Camnet and his warrior. And um, the other boys are sort of just like sitting around just having a great old time thinking this is freaking bizarre. You guys are all nuts. Anyway, um... um 
maybe like another half hour or an hour, or, you know, he comes back over the radio and you can hear the fear in his voice. And he's like, really, almost like begging with us to like stop screwing with him. And we're like, mate, we're not doing anything. We're not doing anything, okay? And my mate from the first night sort of giving me this sort of, I'm not sure whether we had a conversation, but he sort of like, whether or whether it's sort of, we looked at each other and he was like, yeah, it's time. We need to get him out of there. And then comes over the radio and you just hear this whimpering sort of little voice sort of, okay, help. And yep. So we head off back to the house. But again, I'm not going in there. <laughs> I'm not going in there. So I think I stayed like 10 or 15 metres away from the house while the rest of them sort of went in. The other guys are like, you can see that they're starting to get a bit scared, like what the hell is going on sort of thing. And anyway, they've gone into the house and um, makes the first night, he's up in front of them. They've gone up the hallway and he's got a big cross. And he walks into what we call the, you know, through the kitchen into what we call the evil room. And he just said, yeah, the temperature was dropped. It completely, you know, it's completely different temperature from the rest of the house. And the room was just completely full, like, with of energy. Like, you know, it just felt like it was chaotic and there was people, there was things around him and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, he circles around the bloke that was staying, you know, who was going to sleep in, sleep in there. He circles around him with this crucifix sort of protecting him. And um, the other guys go in and pick him up. And this guy's so petrified, man. Like, he's basically frozen stiff in the fetal position. And he's, you know, he's, he's sleeping gear. So they picked him up and um, pulled him out of the house. And they've gone. I've come out the hallway sort of thing. And, and then there's furniture and stuff being thrown around again behind them. Um, I can't remember if there was a big yell like there was the first night, but there was definitely the furniture getting thrown around in there. And bear in mind, in this house, like even just looking in there like that we looked through, there's like not much there. There's not like a lot of furniture at all. There's maybe like a couple of pieces and there's this old cast on bed in the evil room. Um, but just, you know, it sounds like someone is just going to town just, just trashing the place. We've got our mate back up to where we were sort of set up for the night and he just once once they were like he is absolutely like petrified. I'd never seen anyone so scared in ever. Like you can't words cannot do justice to how scared this guy was. He didn't say a word for about half an hour and then um eventually he like asked for um a cigarette and I don't even think he smokes. And so like lit him a cigarette and he's having a cigarette and I'm like, dude, what the hell happened happened in there? And then he um started telling us that, you know, as the sort of as the sun sort of went down, he could just hear and feel, you know, people just or people or things coming into the room with him and it's just getting crowded and crowded and that's when he's on the radio telling us, Oh, it's not funny, I can hear you sort of thing, I can hear you in the other rooms and that sort of stuff. And then as a you know, sort of the light you know, just gone, and he just heard these huge, big footsteps coming up the hallway towards him, and then he could not open his eyes, no matter how much, how hard he tried. He was just so petrified, and he just felt this. You now, just heard these footsteps coming closer and closer, bang, 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 closer to him, and then he's like, he just knew like it was just pure evil. So he um, said he prayed. And he prayed and prayed for protection, and because all he could see, like in his mind's eye or his imagination, or whatever, was just this 
gigantic figure at his feet with his big fiery like I think it was fiery blue eyes just you know staring at him and it was just just evil and then he um when he prayed he felt bang 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 and he said it was he felt like it was like an angel one on his left left side of him one on the right side of him one up the top left one on the top right and then he could hear like a clanging of like swords and you know armor and stuff like that like you know we're all running around with assault rifles and stuff like that and you know he's hearing stuff like medieval stuff like swords and shit it's pretty crazy but he um he said like he he just reckons that like he got sent by angels and they protected him until Feeney came in the cross um and you know pushed it away and the guy they got him out anyway as he started telling us this story you know we're all got like all the guys that were like you know, or on the side of the fence, or didn't think it was anything, you know, or you know, just thinking it was a laugh. They're all like freaked out too now because they've all had some sort of experience. They've felt that, you know, oppression, that, that evilness in the house, and they've seen what's happened to him. And so they're not joking about it anymore. And um, so we've like decided, hey, we've got to like record this before we forget any anything of it. So we're like all sitting in a circle, and we're like, we'll all, each one of us will tell our point of view of it, you know, like something sort of we do in the army, you know, we do an after action report and everyone sort of says what their part was, what worked, what didn't work sort of thing. So we started doing this after action report on our deal, on our incident with the bizarre supernatural. And um, this is back, you know, the early 2000s sort of thing. So not all of us sort of have mobile phones or very flash sort of ones. One of my mates, he had, um, he had two girlfriends on the go, so he had two phones. And um, both his phones were like uh, you know, a bit more flash than the rest of ours, so they um, could you know, do voice recordings sort of thing. So we get out his two phones and put them down, and we um, start recording as we start talking of what we, you know, we're taking turns talking about what just happened. And um, like within you know, 30 seconds or something, it was, it was really quick. Both of them were like dead flat, couldn't record anything, gone. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. If that isn't the universe telling you to leave that place alone, I don't know what is. <laughs> it's insane. That's that's just so genuinely insane for you know, for you to to go back and have such a an intense set of encounters happen to to a guy who thought you were all just pulling his leg is literally the the most unbelievable kind of thing to happen but for and for him to to be so affected by by what happened to him is just incredible and the fact that he had what almost sounded like was a battle for him yeah yeah 100% man like um i know i'm not claiming i'm super religious or anything like that like most of us have gone sort of Catholic school and sort of thing. So, you know, you grew up around a little bit of that sort of stuff, but not like this. Like, this was just, this was just so next level. Um, it was just insane. And um, really, to put things into context, that was just the beginning of our ordeal, what we ended up calling the Ox Monster. So, you have these two days of super, super intense activity. Yeah. 
earlier you alluded to that this thing started to follow you not just home but like around the country and to to multiple areas around the country at the same time are you able yeah. to to tell me a little bit more about that so yeah so our time around the house hasn't finished yet so the next you know we've had this bizarre incident you know we're sort of like all of us sort of looking at each other like what the hell's what what's going on like what the hell happened and not being able to put it in context it's not like we can just go up to our uh, chain of command and go hey um can we move like uh, this place is really creepy and you go we've had something happen because you know that um yeah so the next day we've had a pretty weird night uh, i'm trying to go work out what the hell we've just been through um but obviously yeah we can't just uh drop whatever we've got to do and debrief ourselves and go through and try and work out what the hell it was we just got to get on with it and do what our duties were so we head off that um that morning uh to go ambush the uh, people on the course um so we've got a map you know got to, this is the grid square you got to be at a certain time you know it might only be like one or two kilometers away it was nothing nothing too arduous you know nothing we wouldn't be able to, to find you know this is um this is back in the day before you know we all had our own GPSs and that sort of stuff. So you had compasses and radio and we've got a map and we all know how to navigate. Um, so we head off and just something is not right. You know, there's just this feeling of anger around all of us. Like we're all pretty good mates. We all get along really well, you know, have good fun together. Um, starting to get insanely angry with each other and our compasses aren't working. And we get completely lost. We get completely lost in bush that we've been through many times, going to somewhere that's not hard for us to find, and we are just, you know, it's just not working. And this insane feeling of anger and stuff has just come across all of us. You know, we're all getting really shirty with each other. We all want to punch on with each other over nothing. We're all getting more angry with each other because we're lost and it's my fault, it's your fault, it's his fault sort of thing. And, you know, blame, you know blame, everyone's blaming each other for different things. One of the guys has, like, really got angry and he's got his rifle and he's holding it by the barrel and he's just smashing it into trees and just being, like, completely, like, not himself. And, you know, you pull him up on it and then he wants to fight you and it was just it was just bizarre and then one of the other guys he's walking along he's got his uh, magazine on his rifle and then like a second later you know he hasn't fallen over or hasn't knocked him anything and then the magazine of his rifle's just gone like like that just disappeared he's like it was just there a second ago what the hell you know there's like you know weird stuff was happening and you know if you lose something like that you know you've got even if there are any blank rounds you still got 30 blank rounds in that uh, rifle magazine that you got to account for, so the army's going to be pretty pissed off at you for losing something like that. You know, have to be investigated and that sort of stuff. And anyway, um, I can't, actually, I can't remember whether we found that magazine or not, but it, I do remember it, it, it just, just disappearing. We're blowing our timings out completely. We're lost, and we come across this road. And on this road, uh, an old Land Rover's driving along, and the stop and some started and the warrant officer starts yelling at us telling us what piece of shit we are and how useless we are and how we stuffed up the day's training sort of thing get in the back of the rover and you know took us off to 
be somewhere to at least so they could try and salvage some of the training for the day. Anyway, we finished doing what doing that stuff for the day, and we go back to our um, sort of camp area for the night, um, which is moved sort of slightly moved away from Moxie House. Um, yeah, it's probably still a K away or something from it, but it's not the same area that we've been in for the last few days. Can't see the house or anything from there. Um, as the sun starts setting and stuff, we were going into a night routine, getting ready to actually go out and do night ambushes all night and um, basically make the guys on the course go through sleep deprivation just by constantly harassing them their perimeter all night so they have a uh, really, really bad night's sleep and uh, no one gets any rest. Um, and while it's happening, my mate from the first night, he just starts getting really lethargic and um, he's like, man, I don't feel very well. Like, I don't think I can do anything. You know, I can't, I can't go. And so he just see the colour drain from his face and he's, like, just really, really weak and um, sort of... I think I checked his I checked his pulse and it was like really really shallow, like um it was really weak. So I go get um go get a medic to come check him out and then you know soon you know they've checked him out like oh crap you know he's yeah, got really 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 low blood pressure it's, you know he's, he's not well we better get him out of here and get him checked out. So I chuck him in a in an army ambulance and off they go and um, we go off for the night and do what we had to do. I think we had a couple of nights you know still doing that sort of stuff and we didn't see my mate for the rest of the time we were out there and nothing uh, nothing that stands out in my memory sort of happened during that sort of period anyway it's um you know it's coming up we've, we've finished that sort of exercise we've left that training area and then um the next thing is it's the christmas party uh for the company and um my mate who'd been off to hospital he sort of come back met back up having beers and it's like oh what happened he's like oh you know like yeah i had really low blood pressure they didn't know what was wrong with me you know did blood tests and stuff and but then um you know the feather sort of as i was away from there sort of started getting better and um you know i can't remember what exactly was wrong with him but i don't think they could really pencil down like what was actually sort of wrong with him um but he wasn't well like you could see it like it was like all his energy all his almost like his life force was sort of being drained from him. Um, anyway, so we're sort of all having a bit of a joke about it, you know, so that all the other guys in our unit sort of started hearing bits and pieces of it and everyone sort of knows what this house is and, you know, there's a few sort of stories that have been passed down, you know, over the years at this place. Anyway, I see the uh, see the staff sergeant at the bar and he um, he's actually the caretaker for the range there. So I got to him like, G'day, staff. How are you going? Um, hey, um, do you know anything about Oxley House? And he uh, he turns to me and he goes, "Why? Have you boys been uh, boys been fucking around in there?" And I'm like, "Um, yeah, maybe." <laughs> <laughs> and then he um he proceeded to tell me like, "Um, you couldn't pay me enough money to ever step foot into that place." Wow. Yeah, and I'm like, holy crap. So I'm like, oh, what's happening? You know, tell me about it. And now as I've got older and stuff, I'm like, oh, maybe it's just Jamie on sort of thing. Like, um, but at the time, he's like, oh, no, you know, there's apparently been, you know, three or four, you know, separate deaths inside that house, you know, that recorded deaths in there. And, you Whoa, know, you're unexplained, unexplained situations. I think one of them is saying, like, you know, a, a hammer fell from the roof and spiked someone in the head and killed him. And, you know, I'm sort of, 
with my memory, I've sort of taken that this stuff happened like, you know, in the 50s and maybe 60s sort of thing. Like it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't hundreds of years ago, but it wasn't, you know, in really close sort of memory. But, um, you know, about the time I was like, holy crap, you know, I was took that as gospel. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And it just freaked me out even more. Um, so um, I... I'm not sure whether those stories were true or not, but uh, he definitely did tell me them, and they did make an effect at the time. Anyway, um, yep, had a Christmas party, all was good, and you know, and we sort of became a bit of a, a bit of an urban myth, bit of a joke, you know, sort of thing. You know, the guys would sort of joke joke about our experience and being scared of the ghosts, and you know, oh, the ox monster's going to get you, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, guys would have a bit of a laugh. Anyway. Um, over that Christmas period, my mate from the first night, the one that got sick, you know, one with the big crucifix, he um he had had started having sort of stuff happen to him, um, you know, mate sort of feeling feeling a presence around him, poltergeist sort of stuff, um, you know, nothing nothing that I can really remember jumping out like as I can tell you the story about, but and I was sort of having sort of weird stuff like that sort of happening to me too. But he was affected by it so much that he decided to go to go to church and go seek, you know, go have Catholic mass and um, go see a priest. And so then the mass sort of thing, he's um, having a chat with the priest, and sort of they're, they're outside, and he's telling him he, he's telling the priest the story that I've, I've been telling you. And um, when he sort of finished telling the story, the priest tells him, "Oh, you know, look up, look up." And he's like, "Oh, what?" And he looks up and goes, "Oh." It's really weird. Um, I just thought you're like sunburn or something, but um, you know, there's there's a handprint on your on your throat. Whoa. You know, well, yeah. Yeah. Whoa. While in a church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they've gone out. They're out front of the church, I believe, this day telling the story. But yeah, and so yeah, the you know the priest could see it. But wasn't sure, and, and he's like, you know, once he actually looked up and you know, he could see his neck properly, he thought there's a handprint there. <laughs> that's yeah, that's terrifying. You know, like you you go through this encounter of just the most absolute insane stuff is happening, and it's kind of next level paranormal. Like it's it's not just you know bumps in the night; it's things are changing around you yeah. and then yeah. you know you you kind of you're off you're off base you're you're as you're far away from this this house and then this happens to you jeez that, yeah. that that i just do not know what would go through your mind yeah yeah no it was it was pretty crazy so like i remember you know same sort of um period um like oh, i had a had a mate come stay at my place um, he was sleeping on the floor, um, you know, on a mattress on the floor. And um, his civilian mate had nothing to do with this story. I hadn't told him the story or anything like that. And um, he's sort of just waking up, well, you know, the next morning. He's gone, hey, man, there was something really weird in your room. And I was, like, pinned. He, he like, went through, like, a full, like, pinning. He was pinned on the bed, you know, couldn't move, you know, sleep paralysis type thing. And, um, you know, I'd started having sort of this weird experiences being in my house, you know, being in the house alone um, and feeling like, you know, the entity 
you know, sort of at my door or coming into my room, just having these insane periods of feeling petrified for, you know, no sort of reason. Wasn't seeing anything sort of visually. Um, and I can't remember whether I was having sleep paralysis sort of stuff at that stage, but, um, yeah, my mate had that happen and that was about the same sort of time that my other mate had gone spoken to this priest about it. And this was something, you know, like, that I hadn't experienced before, um, before we'd come across that house and I uh, had our little dance with the, uh, with the very unknown. Um, so yeah, so, and as I think the summer sort of wore on, that's and my mate from the first night, we have both sort of got our postings to the regular. So I've gone off to Pagpanyu, um, in Victoria, and my mate's got posted to, he's at Wagga, um, in New South Wales. And while we're both of these training establishments, and you've had a bloke, um, come on and tell us a ghost story about Pucker before. Yeah. Um, I, know yeah. The, I know the, I know the building he's talking about. It's a very, very strange place. Um, but yeah, I started having like lots of weird sort of stuff there. Um, yeah, you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night sort of thing, um, in big communal sort of bathrooms and you'd hear doors opening and closing and stuff, but there's no one else there sort of thing. And it's, um, you're sharing a room with three other guys sort of thing. So I didn't see anything, but you could just feel this negative energy just come into the room sort of with me and, and really screw with your sleep. And especially while you're in training on these on courses, you're like every moment of sleep you can get is a godsend. And to then be uh, not sleeping because you're having something nasty come in and petrify you. Yeah, it was not, it was not cool. Um, so that's happening in Paco to me. It's happening to him in Wagga. He then gets posted to Townsville. I get posted up to Darwin. While I'm in Darwin, I start getting like a mail sent to me from guys at my old unit. It's checking in the internal defence mail. And I'm getting like bits of roofing iron and door locks and a key and weird shit just to you know, just sent to me in, you know, in envelopes with no explanation as to what they are. I knew exactly what they were straight away. I was like, you bastard. You know, <laughs> such a joke, joke to them all. They all knew I was so petrified of it. Um, and anyway, I, I'm in my barracks in Darwin and this started, this went on for, I'd say like six, eight months sort of thing where I'd be in, so I've got my own individual bedroom, but you've got like uh, three bedrooms to the one common room, one bathroom sort of thing. So you sort of like, it's like you live in your like little apartment, but you've all got your own sort of room sort of thing. So I would feel this energy come down like the walkway like outside towards our building or towards our room. And then I'd feel it enter and then feel it at the other side of my door and then it would come through to my like I am at this stage I can feel it out front or like out it's not in my room yet but I can feel it's out there and I can move I can move and all that sort of stuff like normal and then I feel it enter my room and boof I'm pinned to my bed I cannot move I am absolutely petrified I'm wide awake I'm absolutely wide awake and I am moved and if you've experienced sort of sleep paralysis or whatever, but like this is why I don't think sleep paralysis because like I'm like wide, I'm conscious, like my eyes are wide open, but I cannot move. And like you know, just trying to like lift one of your fingers, you know, it's taking you like half an hour 
you know, like to try and kick your leg or something like that. You know, you, you can't. No matter how hard you try, you think like you're doing the massivest, biggest kick, and you're like maybe moving like a millimeter type thing. And this um, this just kept happening like nightly, you know, almost almost every night sort of thing. So I'm like getting like hardly any sleep. Got to get up early each morning. Go do PT function. Can't tell anyone about any of this stuff because I'll think I'm nuts and crazy and a wimp and stuff like that. So you're just like, oh shit, okay, this life's great. Um, just going, going through that, and um, eventually, like, it got to the stage where it was just so normal that I was like, oh shit, it's um, you know, two twenty-five in the morning. It's about time he turned up. No, well, here he is. Great, here we go. And you know, you'd just be this would go on until till dawn. Um, and eventually, like one night, I just felt like I have to deal with this. I have to fight it. I have to confront it. I'm not going to let it petrify me anymore. And so I'm lying on my bed, I got pinned to my bed, but I just like had made this, this, this decision, this conscious decision. No, not anymore. And I said, like I said, like Lord's Prayer or something. And then this time I saw it and it was a black mass again, like I saw the first night. It was at the end of my bed. And somehow I jump out of my bed and I go to kick my foot. And I go to kick it. It was this big sort of roundhouse kick. And of course, there's a be there. So my foot goes straight through the black mass, through my uh, crappy blinds, and then smashes the louvers on my window <laughs> in my <laughs> barracks room. And then, um, yeah, it's like, oh, shit. So, you know, now, like, well, what am I going to do? Tell the sergeant that I uh, smashed up my room because there was a ghost in there. So, you know, you know, oh, yeah, trying to make up a story that one of my mates was over and, you know, we had over beers and just been dickheads wrestling around. And, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, I'll pay for it. Sorry, sergeant. This sort of thing. And um, anyway, so that morning, I could tell Senior about this, you know, because I'd been talking to him on and off and he was sort of having similar sort of things happening as I was. And you know, I was so excited, I finally like confronted it and then disappeared and like um so I ring him up and I'm like, Hey man, guess what happened last night? He's like, Nah bro, guess what happened to me? Oh crap, okay. And so he's telling me his story. He's um he's in his barracks room and um he's asleep and then suddenly he's flipped out of his bed onto the floor, his mattress is on top of him. He's like, you know, suddenly waking up and so Logically, he's trying to work out what's just happened. So he's like, oh, okay. My ring unlocked. I was coming out from being on the piss and playing silly buggers because I'm asleep. I didn't hear him step in and step out sort of thing. So he goes and checks his door and it's still locked. So like, there's no way anyone from the outside could have come in. And so he's been flipped out of his bed. I've had this thing appear in the foot of my bed and I've gone to kick it and smash the window. And um, we're both going, holy crap. And then maybe a day or two later, I get um, get a phone call from one of the guys um, back where it all originally started. He's like, oh, mate, you'll be happy to know that, um, yeah, they, they burnt down Oxley House the other day. You're and joking. No. Nah. And so the same night, so it worked out, you know, it would have been the same night that me and my mate both have this these culminations of, you know, crazy stuff is the same night that bloody house was burnt down and gone. It's kind of like it just came back for that one last hurrah to, like, 
try really stick it to you guys before before the house disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's insane, man. <laughs> I can't even can't even comprehend it. it so it truly is it. Like it is an absolutely fascinating story and it there's just so many elements that you know, just genuinely leave me speechless because I I usually say to people, you know, like that sounds like a Hollywood movie, you know, that sounds like that type of scary, but this sounds genuinely next level. You know, yeah. this is this is the the stuff of nightmares and what I just find yeah. so disturbing about the whole thing is that this became the normal for you. Like you were ready for it. Like, 2 a.m., here he comes. G'day, mate. How you doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was It was crazy. It was, yeah, it's, it's amazing what people, like, when they, when you, when people go through, like, really insane stuff like that, like, actually how we can kind of adapt to it. Um, you know, the people that live in a house that they know is haunted, so, you know, where having things happen regularly, like, kind of, even though it still freaks you out and you feel having a sh- you know a really horrible time, you, you kind of become a little bit numb to it. Um, whereas you know if you're someone who's never experienced it, you know they can yeah would think it's the most petrifying, horrible thing ever, and would you know, can't understand how you could even function. It really boggles my mind. Like I know people have to live a normal life, but. That is something that is just so unfathomable for me to go and just accept that this is my normal life. This is the ghost that comes into my room at 2, 2.30 every night. And I just get crap sleeps for, for years now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I started trying to do, like read up and like, you know, do whatever I could to check myself, you know, like, getting, like, herbs and shit, stuff like that. Like, you know, like, I'm a, I'm a soldier, man. I'm looking into, like, what I look It's like, hippie stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need some sort of help, you know. But, um, you know, sort of found, like, they're just having the um, sudden to, like, have a bit of faith and, like, you know, um, read a Bible. Um, just, yeah, like, sort of started, I suppose, sort of making me a bit stronger. <laughs> Um, but then later on, I had a so I suppose like an incident, which really I think is what was able to block block it away from me and protect me properly. Um, so I started looking, trying to help myself, and might have helped a little bit, but it actually took a I suppose a bit of soul searching later on, and um, you know, a further incident to actually make me realise what I need to do, and finally sort of rid myself of this thing. Well, Ben. If it's okay with you, I would love to to get you on again because I know the, the Ox Monster is just kind of one feather in your cap and the the story that you have to tell is I know it's just so fantastic and I don't wanna I don't wanna rush you on it. So would you come back for another episode to to share the story of how you kind of defeated the the oxley monster and what that process was yeah man absolutely 
Awesome. Awesome. Because I know the Ox Monster was a huge, huge part of your life, but we know, I know because you emailed me, that there is so much other paranormal aspects to your life that this is really kind of just scratching the surface for you. Yeah, it's sort of, uh, I suppose it's my most action-packed uh, one, but um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely only one of them. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Believe Paranormal and UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and you would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. Finally, don't forget to follow us on all our social media outlets and be sure to join our Discord server to talk to other listeners of the show. You'll find all these links in our show notes. Thank you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.